Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're gonna give all the credit to Jesus. So thank you so much. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father in heaven, for for the lives that you save and what's going on through with Awaken Recovery. And I want to introduce three amazing and powerful people. They're going to share a testimony and uh, they're, they're going to share their testimonies with you. A couple of them I've known, obviously my husband, a long time. But I've all... Uh, Stephen Seifert, he's going to be the last person to share tonight about his over, he's overcome heroin addiction and, and alcohol addiction. And then you're also going to hear from someone else who has... Um, um, is an adult child of, an, of addicts and codependency. So you never thought that would be an issue or something that you can go to recovery for, but it is. And when you hear her testimony, um, you will, you will, it might change your mind about a few things. And then uh, the person that I want to introduce first who's going to be coming up and speaking is my husband, Brian. And hopefully I can do this without, without crying. I said I wasn't going to cry. So... <laughs> We've been together for, what, 30 years, and I've been sober for 17, so you can do the math. <laughs> he's been with me before and after, the pre-Leanne and the post-Leanne. So he's going to get up and share what it is to be a controller, fixer, chaos creator, and then what a program is that we sometimes call or label as Al-Anon. So with that said, I'm not going to speak anymore. I'm going to go ahead and introduce my amazing husband, Brian Yarber. time on on this stage in the new campus so and uh, I want to echo you know what Leanne said uh, thank you Pastor Michael and Pastor Lisa for just honoring us uh, the way you do to let us get up and share something uh, that we hope tonight will make a really big impact uh, like Leanne said just saving one life um, and Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne for for just the vision that they have, the leadership they have, and the wisdom to choose you to lead this campus as well. So, so thank you. Uh, oh, they're gone. Good. I've never released a worship before. <laughs> All right. You can be seated. Uh, and Leanne, you, you took part of my thunder. Um, yeah, thank you. All right. Well, wow. Um, my scripture tonight is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And I might repeat that a couple times because there were, I didn't learn that until I actually got into recovery and, um, and I used it so much through some darkness. And I'm going to share some of that in my story, but real quick, I think it's important that most of you know a little backstory about me. Um, I grew up right here. Uh, my mom and dad they're still alive. They live in the same house right up here in Olive Hills. Um, I went to Greenfield Junior High School. I played Little League here. Um, I went to W.D. Hall, which is an elementary school over off of Pepper Drive. 
I went to high school at Granite Hills High School. I graduated in 1980, and, uh, and I, I left there, and I went to that huge university on the hill called Grossmont. <laughs> if you haven't been there, I, I recommend you go there. And I got an AA degree there. And, um, and then at 23 years old, I jumped into real estate. And uh, I've been a real estate agent for now for over 37 years. So all right here in San Diego. Um, like Leanne said, uh, we, we've been together for a while. I met Leanne at Baxter's Bar in El Cajon in uh, 1991, December of 1991. So it's actually 32 years. And um, Leanne had been married previously. She had a son named Austin. Austin was two at the time. And I had a biological father who died uh, 59 years ago yesterday, the same day President Kennedy was assassinated. My dad died. So my mom moved from Texas where I was born and here and uh, met a new man. And uh, he's been my father ever since. Um, and um, we never really went to church, but... Um, Leanne and I, after we got married, uh, we, we got married quickly. We had two kids. We had Austin, and uh, by 1995, we were, you know, married and kids and in church and doing our thing. And so there were several years of dysfunction in the early 90s uh, real quickly. You know, her disease uh, was running wild, and that's what happens. I didn't know when I married an alcoholic or an addict what I was in for, but I just knew that uh, I was in for something, and uh, and uh, there were those the '90s. I will just say um, we were already at at the doorstep of divorce uh, before 2000 with little kids, and um, but God got us through those seasons and into the early 2000s. So, so I'm going to talk about where my recovery journey started, um, and I'm going to look at my notes because I don't want to miss anything here. But my my recovery journey started like Leanne said she has 17 years so when she hit her bottom uh, that was the day I actually went into recovery with her and I was just a good husband I was supporting her that's I thought that's what I'm supposed to do um, in 2005 when she hit that you know I didn't know what to do other than to just lean on God and and I learned that scripture I can go through all things or I can do all things through Christ but I, I just went through things with Christ. I didn't know how to lead on. The song we just sang was absolutely perfect. Your power, your healing, right? I didn't have that understanding on how to lean on that early on in my life. Um, I learned that when the alcoholic or the addict begins to recover, which was the very thing I was praying for, when Leanne started to get better, the focus was no longer on Leanne, but it was on me. I, I had to put all my focus on me because I'm the family affected by alcoholism. Um, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic family. My, um, my mom's brother had 28 years of sobriety before he passed away. My aunt had a serious cancer problem issue. She died in recovery as well. Uh, my best friend of, who I met in kindergarten, he died at 45 of cirrhosis of the liver uh, from partying too much. You know, we're from East County. We, we knew the East County diet real well, you know, and um, and, and, and we live that lifestyle, and I, I love the laughing because you know what I'm talking about. So, um, you know, and, and my dad can't drink. He hasn't been able to drink for almost 10 or 11 years. His doctor told him if he drank again, he would die. And that's it. So he's just been white-knuckling without a program. And um, 
I've been around this lifestyle, you know, but for some reason, for some reason, I did not lose control when I drank alcohol. Alcohol affected me differently than it does the addict or the alcoholic. The, when I put alcohol into my system, I do not break out for, in a craving for more to where I just throw everything away, I don't come home, I run off with strangers, I, I don't lose my business. You know, when I put alcohol in my system, I have control over the amount. That was the difference between us. But what I didn't have control over was my emotions. My controlling chaos, creating behavior, the adrenaline in me would not calm down until you told me I was right. Like I needed validation to calm down. So during uh, our early recovery, I found myself isolated in rooms like this. Like I would go to church completely isolated, surrounded by all of you, and all of you thought one thing, I had a great life. I was like this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I, I was going through so much dysfunction at home, but you would have never known it. I had, we have two little daughters who were raised in the church, Brooke and McKenna. My son-in-law, DJ, is married to our daughter, Brooke. And, um, and those girls were like my rocks during all of this. You know, they were, they, I needed the kids to, to really lean on during some tough times. But there was so much shame and guilt about how I felt about myself because I couldn't control Leanne. I wanted to save her so bad. I loved her so much. Even though we were on the divorce doorsteps, uh, I, just, I just knew, you know, my, my stubbornness was greater than her gift of running. And, um, and my selfish thinking was that I needed her to act a certain way for me to be okay. You know, and if you're, if you're like that, if you have somebody in your family or somebody you love so much but they can't stop, addiction is real, people. Addiction is so real. It is, it is not something to be messed with. Um, I, I found myself just completely isolated in rooms of, of amazing people, too, whether I was at work or wherever I was. I was just full of worry. I would posture, though. You wouldn't know it. I could stand here and smile and be so into helping you that I wouldn't even think about my issues in a way that I could just separate myself from the pain. I don't know how I went through that. I don't know how I did that. I was just able to do that. And if you've ever been in a lot of pain and, and you want to change your mindset, the first thing I learned was is help other people. Because when I'm helping somebody else, all of a sudden the, the issue that I'm going through is no longer the focus of my thoughts. Um, but I had this fantasy. I wanted you to think my home life and, my, and, and everything was in order. We were going to church, like I said, and, and um, you know, the girls were in private school and everything was going great. And guess what? Leanne wasn't even there anymore. She moved out. She just, she just she couldn't handle it. She was going through something I didn't understand. At the time, I didn't understand it so I could blame her, but I don't blame her now. I know, what, I know this is what we do for a living today. I've spoken all over the world because of her addiction. I've never spoken to an audience that's not in recovery. This is the first time I've spoken to a church audience. I've only spoken to recovery. Um, in 2009, so four years into sobriety, uh, we were separated again. I was home alone. Uh, just before Christmas that year, Leanne was... Uh, not living with me. She was doing her own thing, and 
a friend of hers invited her to go here and speak, uh, heard somebody speak, and it changed her life. And uh, that, was, that was the beginning of us recovering a wonderful life together. I was finally invited into the rooms of recovery, and I finally got to be invited in it. And I understood that at those meetings, I got to learn that, that real quickly, if you're, if you're like me, here's what you do. Um, there's a whole list here, and we can share this with you later. But you know what I would do is argue with a drunk, or I would overspend. I was filled with shame and guilt, um, fixing other people or, or doing for them what they could not do for themselves. I would manipulate you. I would try to do things. I would obsess over things. I learned that worrying is a form of meditation, and all I was worrying on is everything I never wanted to come true. So, to, so if you're worrying, right? Think about that. If you're worrying about somebody, you don't trust God at that moment. Just give them over to God. If, once I learned how to give Leanne over to God, my world got better. <laughs> today, I know those lessons I had to go through are, the, were, are my greatest assets today. I get to take another person through the journey that I went through, and I can help you go through that journey knowing that look for these things, and we can get you there quicker. Um, I had daddy issues you know, I didn't realize that my God, the Father, my God, thought I was a king and a priest. And I talked to myself like I was the worst person, right? I would never talk to anybody the way I talked to myself. My life was a mess. I created all of this, but the Holy Spirit came in. So all these mountains that I had put together were just delusions, right? They were not the truth. Um, by going through the 12 steps many different ways and taking people through and, and learning what my fears are. And basically, I learned that uh, on my own, my life was objectionable. I had to learn that Jesus was the power that was missing in my life. But even going to church and singing about him and reading about him, I never knew how to access him until I cleaned up a lot of messes. And that was the gift I got through sobriety. Uh, there is no spiritual lifeline for somebody who's addicted, just so you know. They have to get their own solution with Jesus. You, you, as much as you want to give them one, they have to choose it. Okay, so just remember that. So um, I'm going to close. Wow, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just going to close. I'd love to just pray real quick. Let Father God, just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to just share a, a small amount of my testimony, Lord, Father God. And then if I touched anyone's heart, if anyone is here tonight that was like me, who was isolated in a moment like now, Lord, Father God, I just ask that they be bold and come down and speak to me or one of us at the end of this, Lord. And I just thank you for this opportunity in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I'm going to call up Bobby. Hello, fam. Hi. Okay, I don't have a ton of time, and I want to fit it all in. So I'm going to speed read. I tried this in my bedroom. It is really speed reading, just with the time. But I do want to honor, I have a ton of people to honor. Um, I first want to honor uh, Pastors Jurgen and Leanne. They've been, they've created this culture here where they, they speak of their mistakes. They, they speak of transparency and vulnerability so that we know that we can make mistakes and still like overcome. So I, I love them and I'm grateful for that. Thank you, Pastor Michael and Lisa, for loving me despite my mistakes that were made here at this campus, for calling out my blind spots and correcting me when I needed it. Um, pastors Morgan and Jenny, Mark and Kimmy, um, Brian and Leanne, just 
recovery is such a messy process. And what we've done at the workshop, what you guys have done at the workshop is made it a shameless process and a beautiful process out of something that is so messy. Um, and then also I wanna thank my friends for still being my friend <laughs> after all the meltdowns and all the spin outs over the past year, cause there have been a lot. Okay, so my scripture I'm gonna share really quick. It's Psalm 139, 23 and 24. It's in the Passion Translation. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. So I think you'll see kind of why I've picked that as my scripture. So I'm going to start. So for my parents actually met on 2nd Street. Teenagers already like into kind of a, um, a drug atmosphere. Um, they both really struggled with relationships. Both of my parents, neither of my parents have ever been married. They both came from fatherless homes. Um, between my two parents, they have eight kids. Um, my dad has three kids with three different women. My mom has six kids by four different men. And like I said, never married. Um, so obviously like there's a connection problem, right? Like an ability to connect that's. Um, and, as, and as a kid, my dad really wasn't there. He had a really um, pretty severe meth addiction. I mean, we were in El Cajon. Um, so pretty severe meth addiction. Um, and when he was, he was either in jail or he was on the streets, like streets here. We would go find him in Renette Park sometimes. Um, and so my, my only parent at home was my mom. And my, out of the two of my parents, my mom's the more closed off one, um, the more hard-hearted one. So just as a kid, I really, really struggled to just connect. Um, and so this left me kind of alone in my head a lot to kind of come up with my own conclusions about life. And so just that's how it was a kid. I just made like this um, kind of uh, identity of just being little miss independent. I'm on my own here, I have to figure it out. Um, so fast forward a little bit, we're gonna get to like my teenage years. Um, I, I kind of thought, well maybe, I haven't connected super well with my parents. Maybe, maybe guys is like my thing. Maybe I'll connect well with guys. Yeah, this didn't work out for me. Um, when I was 16 years old, I went to a party at my cousin's house. I drank a little bit too much, quite a bit too much. Um, and one of his friends locked me in a room um, and raped me. And like, obviously that's traumatic. For me though, the trauma came kind of afterwards. In like the next morning I went home um, and I just crawled in bed. I didn't know what to do. I was like, maybe I can just sleep this way. Crawled in bed, my mom came into the room and my mom said like, hey, what's wrong with you? And I just like rolled over and I'm like, I had sex last night. And she's like, okay, we'll put you on the pill and then walked out. But the thing is, this was the level of communication in my home always. Like I wasn't surprised. That's kind of how we, we just never talked about anything ever. And like being severely or severely delayed, like emotionally, I was like, so the next couple of days, I'm like, maybe like I'm together with this guy now. Like maybe like we're in love. Like I just, I really didn't know you guys. I was 16, but I might as well have been 12, like mentally and emotionally. And so like, I just had all these thoughts. I didn't know. And then a couple days later, I went back to my cousin's house because I had left some stuff. And I ran into the guy um, with his girlfriend, his long-term girlfriend. And like in that moment, I was just like, none of this matters. Like, I don't matter. Protecting 
Myself doesn't matter. Like, just relationships don't matter. Sex doesn't matter. None of this matters. And so, like, even now, I don't look back. Like, I look back at that, and I'm not super upset at that guy. Because if it wasn't him, it would have been somebody else. Because I didn't know how to protect myself. Like, I didn't know there was anything in myself worth protecting. Like, nobody ever had, like, that conversation with me. And it's not, like, just based on what I saw. It just wasn't something that I knew. So anyways, my addiction, so obviously you've caught on to like my parents. So my dad was an addict. My mom was a drug user. I have found out now that those two things are different. Uh, my mom was never a real addict, um, but my mom just really withheld love. My addiction has been just in relationships, trying the same pattern of like having sex first, trying to figure it all out later, and it just never worked for me. I mean, I'd try the same thing, like insanity, right? Trying it over and over, just never working out. And then that's when I, that's, that problem is what made me realize I had a problem. For the longest time, I was like, I don't have a pattern. I'm just around people that have patterns. My parents have patterns. The guys I date have patterns, but I don't have a pattern. But then you have to realize at some point, that's a pattern. <laughs> so... I realized I had a pattern, and so I very reluctantly um, signed up for the workshop. I really knew I was supposed to. I really didn't want to. Um, so I went to my first meeting at Balboa. I sat in the very back, and I sat the entire time. I couldn't tell you who spoke or anything, because I was just back there going, how did I get here? Like, how did I get here? I tried my entire life to make sure that I never ended up here, because my parents were addicts. Like, I'm never going to, anyways. It didn't work out for me to. Um, so anyways, and there, there was this prayer that actually really, really helped me through the workshop. It's called the set-aside prayer. Um, and it basically says, like, in my own words, like, Lord, help me to no longer rely on what I think I know because I now know that I don't know what I thought I knew and I can't trust what I thought I knew. I need to know something different. I need to know something different. I need to know what the truth is. So I really clung to that prayer throughout, the, like, the, the workshop. And just my process, the Lord, uh, the vision that the Lord has given me is like, it's, all, it's like he went into like the basement of my soul and there was like a, like a big circuit breaker um, and all these switches that had been off and been off for a long time. And like, as I went through the process of like just this soul work and what you do, I'm not going to tell you what you do because you'll figure it out when you go through it. Um, like he just went through and switched things back on that had been kind of turned off, like that I had turned off, like as a kid, when I went inward and shut down and like just went into survival mode. And so just through this, I feel like he's like flicked back on parts of my personality. He switched back on like dreams, desires. I had to, in order to do that, I had to let go of that like little Miss Independent, like I can do this. Like I had to let that go. I had to get real humble. I had to be willing to be teachable. I had to be willing, because it, it came down to me being reparented, getting parented by the Lord, and filling in all the gaps I missed growing up. And, like, I had, to be, I had to be humble. I had to be teachable. I had to be willing to lay down what I thought I knew. Um, I had to be childlike in some ways and just welcome a faith that I had kind of turned off in having to be responsible. Um, so I'm going to, there's another scripture also in Psalm 139. It says, every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. 
So this is just my experience, my experience going through the, um, going through the process, like what's happened on the other side is, I feel like these scriptures that I read for a long time that just stayed outside, like got in to the point where I, I believe them. Like I read that. <laughs> like I read those scriptures and I believe it, like believe it. Like I walk into a room and like, I just, I feel accepted. Like I feel like, I feel like the Lord has accepted me. I feel like he loves me. I feel like he cherishes me. I feel like my heart is cherished. I feel like I really like myself, which I couldn't have said for a long time. <laughs> And I, I wouldn't have known that that was what would be the result of going through this. Like, I just, I enjoy myself. I've, be, I've come, I've gone from being like my worst critic to like, I feel like other than God, I've become like my biggest fan. <laughs> like the things I say to myself versus what I used to say to myself. Um... And then I've, um, yeah, I've just, I've learned and I believe that I'm valuable. Like I've learned and believed like I don't have to do the relationship pattern that I've done before because there is something in me that's valuable. In fact, there's not a part of me that's not. So <laughs> I've just, um, anyways, and I, I've had to learn boundaries, which have become my favorite. <laughs> I really like boundaries and I've come really good at them. Um, and prior to that, my boundaries were like non-existent, so... Anyways, that kind of, I do want to pray for you guys as well. Just through my breakthrough, if, if, if this is hitting home for anybody, you're who I'm praying for right now. Um, so, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for um, just the beautiful things that you can do through this process. Father, I thank you for anyone here that is hearing the words that I'm saying. And, Lord, that... that um, that pattern of self-hatred is being exposed. Father, we thank you, and we do put that, that on notice. Father, we thank you that the people in here that need to hear it, that they would, like me, that they would go through an inner healing process, and they would come out on the other side really, really just accepting God's love for them, really, really just knowing um, and believing and being their own best friend. And, Lord, just restoring the relationship with you, restoring the relationship with each other, um, and Father, restoring the relationship with themselves. Father, I thank you that, um, that they would not wait like I waited. If you feel that, please don't wait. I wish I had done this years before. I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be, but if you feel it, don't wait. So, Father, I pray for courage. I pray for boldness, and I pray for the willingness to go through and be reparented in those ways that you and the to fill the gaps of what you missed the first time through. So, Father, I thank you and I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> you guys ready for Stephen? The water? All right. All right. Try to hold it together. You guys must want to watch me cry for the next 10 minutes, huh? <laughs> um, man, it's so good, guys. I feel like you guys did the heavy lifting. You broke it open. And I get the honor of trying to land this thing. Um, 
such an honor to be on this stage. It really, this is my, uh, this is my first time on the big stage, so. Um, I just love this house. I really do. I love Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. Just so grateful for the space that they've created and um, uh, the family they've given me. You know, um, Pastor Michael and Lisa. Thank you for trusting me with this space. I had a, a moment yesterday where I was reflecting, and I was just like, "Man, I've come so far." Like I came from heroin addiction, where it's like you didn't want to trust me next to your wallet. You know what I mean? Like, and um, just the opportunities that I'm given to give back to this community here. Like, just even being the smallest part of what God is doing here is such a blessing. So, um, thank you so much. Um, and last but not least, my recovery leaders, Pastor Morgan, Pastor Jenny, Mark, Kimmy, Leanne, and Brian. Um, these guys have been a part of my life for a long time now. You know, you guys have walked through some messes with me. Like, how many of you know if, if you dealt with heroin addiction, like that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? That's just covering up a bunch of stuff underneath. And so I walked through some messes and um, God, they, they just championed me through those and they believed in me and they really, um, you know, they're, they're they're the ones who helped me get to this point here, you know, where I'm actually able to, to get up and share something because I have some breakthrough that can help some other people, you know? So I love that God, um, you know, he, we became a family before we ever became a ministry. You know, the, Morgan was actually the first person that I met when I walked through the doors of what was then C3 Church, which was like such a God thing, right? And then Pastor Morgan, Pastor Jenny, who were not pastors at the time. Ella was in Pastor Jenny's belly at the time. Um, they were my connect leaders for years. Uh, I met Mark at my very first emerge. Like, I can't imagine not having this guy in my life now, you know, seven years later. Uh, the Yarbers, like, you know, I, they, they came to the church almost the same time, maybe even the same week as me. Because I remember seeing them. I'm like, these people look familiar. And I had seen them in a secular recovery meeting. So anyway, we, God brought us together. You know, we were all in secular recovery. We came together. We did a leg of life. We grew together, uh, walked through some things together. And then God gave us the, the honor of launching a ministry. And when I was preparing for tonight... Uh, you know, some of the language that we use in recovery is that the opposite of addiction is actually not sobriety. It's not, you know, being clean. It's actually connection, you know, and that was, that was the experience that, that, that I had, you know, uh, addiction for me came, um, through the doors of abandonment. It came through the doors of betrayal. You know, when I was uh, a young boy, my mom died at a very young age. I was seven years old. And at that age, you really don't have the capacity to process something like that. Um, so I experienced it. My little heart experienced that as abandonment, right? I'm like, I can't trust that people are going to be in my life. And, I, and I, I didn't see that until years later. You know, I didn't realize like how, you know, and it was just manifesting in all these crazy ways. Um, but even more traumatic than that was actually, believe it or not, was when my dad remarried. I was, um, you know, 12, 13 years old, and he brought this new woman into to my world, and I just felt so betrayed, 
you know? And, and at that point, I, um, I became completely emotionally alienated from my family. And that was actually where my uh, journey with substance abuse started. And I wasn't actually looking initially to get high. I was just looking for love, you know? And so at that time in my life, you know, early, early teens, that's what people are doing. So it was a way that I, I fit in, a way that I felt connected, a way that I felt accepted. So addiction with me, it started with alcohol. Um, for me, alcohol, they always talk about weed being the, the gateway drug. For me, it was alcohol. From the first time I drank, I was a blackout drinker. I should have known at that point, this is probably something that is not for me. And I've learned through my journey, through my experience in recovery, that some people are just not created to drink alcohol. You know, a lot of us probably have those people in our lives who just can't control their drinking, right? Um, but if that's not evidence enough, in Luke chapter one, there's a story where an angel comes to the, the father of John the Baptist. We all know who John the Baptist was, right? The, the prophet who, you know, prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. And when he came to John the Baptist's father, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he pretty much said, you know, there's greatness on your son's life. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he's not to have alcohol. You know, so that was, I, God spoke this to me at a time in my recovery. A lot of times, you know, in secular recovery, like I feel like there's this like negative connotation around like, oh man, I, I just, you know, you can't handle your drinking or, and God actually championed me in that moment to like, hey, there's, there's greatness. There's, there's this capacity for connection and intimacy with God that if you try to fill that with alcohol, you're never going to be satisfied, right? And so in Proverbs uh, chapter 31, starting with verse 4, it says it's not for kings to drink alcohol. And would you believe that my name actually means crowned one, right? So I love that, you know, this is one of those instances that God was just so, you know, I think Brian was talking about this too, just speaking to identity of like, you're, you're a king, you know, this is something that's not for you and that's okay because there's royalty on your life. And something God also showed me, um, this, uh, this chapter in Proverbs, it starts and actually says, these are the sayings that are told, were told to the king by his mother, right? And so I grew up without a mother in my life. So I didn't have this nurturing voice. I didn't have somebody uh, um, to speak that life and that sense of identity in me at a, a young age. I didn't have somebody to warn me about these things. And later in, on in the chapter, it talks about the virtuous woman, right? And I saw in my life, I was really attracting the wrong women into my life too. And I, I wasn't, you know, I, I was carrying a, a certain, you know, dysfunction to where uh, I wasn't able to maintain a healthy relationship as well. But through this process, like, like Bobby said, um, God has reparented me through this beautiful community. Um, 
and and so that's what I really wanted to communicate and invite people into. You know, it started with alcohol for me and um, progressed very quickly. In the end, I was actually a, a isolated intravenous drug user, right? So it was a lie. Like I, I had believed a lie and it ended up on this path to the exactly the opposite of the place that I desired. Like I desired love, I desired connection, right? And so I found myself powerless over the substance and um, addiction, something that we look at through recovery is, you know, a lot of times with addictions and things, we'll, we'll look at like how we're not as bad as the next guy. But really what I had to look at in my life was the fact that I couldn't stay stopped with things, right? So, um, so I had to admit that I was powerless and I think that's something that's not real popular in the, in the church, but it's really the story of the Bible because literally the whole Old Testament was this, you know, story of how man actually cannot produce righteousness. He can't produce a good result within himself, right? And it set up, it set us up for a savior, right? And then even Jesus, Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount where it's, you know, he takes it to the next level. With grace, it's actually, there's a higher standard where it's like, hey, you know, the law says don't commit adultery, but I say if there's lust in your heart, like you've committed adultery already. So he raises the standard. But in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know that apart from God, they can do nothing. That's the entry point. That's how we enter into his grace is by recognizing, God, I can't do it without you. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And this was my experience. I turned to Jesus through this process. I was in secular recovery. I honestly never intended, um, never desired like relationship with God at all. I just wanted to stop suffering. You know, I, I wanted to get free. And they were like, well, this is what you need to do. Go through this process. They're like, you're going to have a spiritual awakening. I'm like, great. Like, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I you know, um, and I, but I had to, to take that step of faith. I had to lay aside all the prejudices I had, you know, all the, all the, 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 ways that I saw Christianity or God represented poorly. I had to set all that aside. And I said, I had to say, God, I'm going to have my own experience with you. I'm going to walk through this process. I'm going to come in with an open heart, with an open mind, believing that you have a miracle for me. And I love this verse says that when we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. A lot of times we want the evidence first, right? Like we want to, we want God to show us, you know, the Bible says that, that creation's evidence enough. Like I, I was never, I was never an atheist. I always believed that God was by design. I, I feel like it takes a lot more faith to believe that God doesn't exist, right? Um, but I question God's heart, you know? So it was through this process that I had an encounter with God, a loving God, and I dealt with the things in, in my heart that were preventing me from entering into community and family and living in the design that God has me. You know, the greatest commandments are love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. The second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? 
So the essence, the core of God's design is for connection, is for community. Jesus came to reveal the Father, right? He wants a family. That's what he wants. And I'm so grateful that, that I found that in this community. Like these people on the front row, like uh, Yar- like Yarber over here. I, um, you know, he, he spent hours with just being him in a Starbucks going through the process. Mark as well, like I, you know, went through the process with him. Like he took the one little sheep through this process before we were ever a ministry. We started with like a few people in a workshop and him and Kimmy were so faithful through that. Pastor Morgan, Pastor Jenny, like I've been in some messes that I've had to like sit across the table from them. And like, they were so gracious and so loving and created space for me and their busy schedules and loved on me. So I so believe in this ministry because I know and have experienced the heart, you know? You know, they so, I so trust every word that they say from the stage because I've seen that they live it in their lives. And I'm so grateful to call this place home, to call this place my family. I went way over. I'm gonna invite Pastor Michael up to close this out. But before that, I'm just gonna pray for those of you who are just longing for community, longing for family, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, I come to you. I thank you, Jesus, that you came to reveal the Father. And I pray that you would just move upon hearts in this moment. Holy Spirit, that you would move, that you would bring revelation, that you would bring a knowing, an intimate knowing of you, God. I pray that hearts would turn to you maybe for the first time or return to you, God. And I pray that it wouldn't just be a moment that passes by, God, but I pray that they would begin to enter in to relationship with you and relationship with your body, with the body of Christ, the community of believers, God. We know that your presence dwells in the midst of us, God, that we find healing, that we find life, we find fulfillment, and we find the purpose, God, that you created us for. So we love you, God, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.